Attention. Podcast disclaimer. The writer's intention is to explore real-life situations and emotions in this fictional context. Again, this podcast is a work of fiction. Absolutely, none of the events depicted are real. The storylines and characters are purely fictional and created for entertainment purposes. However, please note that this podcast may address sensitive issues that some people may find distressing. It is not suitable for children or individuals who may be sensitive to such content. Viewer discretion is advised. Episode 2, Truths Unveiled and Unforeseen Consequences. Welcome to Apostle Wilson Scanlos' Faith Drama, The Pentecostals, Episode 2. All truths are easy to understand once they are discovered. The point is to discover them. Galileo Galilei. Scene 1, The Coffee Shop. The day following the impactful New Year's Eve service, where Bishop McKenzie preached, a group of church members gathered at a local coffee shop. Their conversation a mix of reverence and disagreement. Mr. Thomas and Mrs. Jenkins sat at one end of the table, still buzzing from the previous night's service. Boy, Dad McKenzie was on fire last night, Mr. Thomas said, his voice full of admiration. He didn't hold back, especially with that shotgun he seemed aimed right at Bishop Wright. Mrs. Jenkins nodded in agreement, her eyes alight with approval. Ha ha, it was about time someone said it. Bishop McKenzie spoke the truth. Those subtle jabs at Wright were needed. Leadership must be accountable. On the other side of the table, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson appeared less enthused. Mrs. Anderson's brow was furrowed in disapproval. I don't think it was appropriate for Bishop McKenzie to insinuate such things, publicly, especially not in a sermon. It's not dignified, she said. It's bad enough as it is, with the service being aired all over the internet and all, she cringed. Mr. Anderson chimed in. We are already the talk of the entire Reformation. I dread going to Holy Convocation this year. It seemed more like a personal vendetta than spiritual guidance. It's not right to use the pulpit for such matters. The conversation shifted back to Mr. Thomas and Mrs. Jenkins, who were quick to defend Bishop McKenzie. But sometimes, hard truths need to be spoken. The church can't just ignore what's happening with Bishop Wright, Mr. Thomas argued. I must admit, Bishop McKenzie should have never put that boy in there. He knew he wasn't ready, made him a bishop, and he ain't even been in ministry a good 10 years. Mrs. Jenkins added, exactly. When he was young, the boy used to be in my Sunday school class that I taught over at Bethel. He was a mess then. And let's not forget all these rumors going around. Bishop McKenzie was just addressing what everyone's already whispering about, Mr. Thomas agrees, and says, I have a good mind to call Bishop McKenzie myself and let him know exactly what is really going on. Mr. and Mrs. Anderson exchanged a glance, their discomfort evident. But at what cost, Mrs. Anderson asked. This could divide the church even more, she said with a look of deep concern. You know if this gets messy some people will leave the church. The group continued to debate, their voices rising and falling as they discussed the implications of Bishop McKenzie's sermon and the ongoing rumors about Bishop Wright. The tension between them was a microcosm of the larger issues brewing within the church community. As the scene closes, the group is left with unresolved feelings, a mix of admiration for Bishop McKenzie's boldness and concern for the potential fallout of his words, reflecting the emotional complexity and divided opinions within the church. Scene 2 New Year's Eve Reflections on Shenanigans Live Title Celebrating New Year's Eve in Style Club vs. Church 
As the lively beat of a hit song fades out on the WM radio station, Rev. Cheryl's smooth voice fills the airwaves with warmth and enthusiasm. Welcome back to the Shenanigans Radio Show, live on EWM Radio. I'm your host, Rev. Cheryl, bringing you the best of Atlanta's vibes. Her co-host, Rock, jumps in with his characteristic energy. And I'm Rock, the one and only. Fresh from the wildest New Year's bash at Club Euphoria, Rev. Cheryl chuckles. Sounds like you had quite the night, Rock. While you were getting turned up at the club, I was at Light of Grace Pentecostal Church, ringing in the new year with faith and fellowship. It was a truly uplifting experience the two hosts engage in friendly banter, with Rock vividly describing his clubbing adventures, the music, and the vibrant party atmosphere. Rev. Cheryl shares her spiritual and heartwarming experiences from the church service, highlighting the sense of community and hope. As they exchange their stories, Rock, with a sly grin, steers the conversation towards a more controversial topic. So, Rev, speaking of Light of Grace, there are some rumors going around about Bishop Wright. What's your take on that? Rev Cheryl's demeanor shifts to one of seriousness. Rock, I've been a part of Light of Grace for years, and I know Bishop Wright well. I'm a former minister, a major financial backer, and a friend of Overseer Sarah Wright. I can tell you the work they do, the lives they touch. It's genuine and profound. I stand by the church and the bishop, Rock nods, acknowledging her conviction. That's quite a statement. Reverend, you've got a lot invested in them. Yes, I do, Rock. Rev. Cheryl responds earnestly. And I believe in their mission wholeheartedly. If there's truth to any of those rumors, you know I'll be the first to seek it out. But until then, I stand with Light of Grace and Bishop Wright. The scene transitions to Bishop Wright in his car listening intently to the Rev. Cheryl's radio show. A look of relief and gratitude appears on his face as he hears Rev. Cheryl's staunch defense. Bishop Wright, feeling the intense need to share, quickly dials Apostle Taylor's number. Apostle answers, sounding clearly surprised, and before Bishop can say anything, Apostle Taylor, stuttering and whispering, interrupts James, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm in the middle of a very important board meeting. Bishop Wright pulls the phone from his ear and looks at it with a surprised expression. In the background, he hears the sound of young teenage girls giggling and laughing. He hesitates for a moment and then says, Oh, okay, no problem, Melvin. I'll call you back. With that, the call ends. Meanwhile, back at the radio station, the red online air light, Addie WM Radio flicks off, and the mood in the studio instantly shifts. Rev. Cheryl's demeanor changes from the composed host to one of barely contained anger as she turns to face Rock. Rock, brah, what the hell were you doing? Rev. Cheryl snaps, her voice laced with fury. Known for his imposing physique, Rev. Cheryl's 300-plus pound, bodyguard Rock, is fully aware of Rev's fiery temper. Despite his physical stature, he found himself stumbling over his words, completely caught off guard, and straight up shook in her presence. Rev. I, uh, I was just, you know, caught off guard. I was trying to keep the set fresh, you feel me? Keep it fresh, she yells, as she cuts him off, her tone rising. Bringing up baseless rumors. On my show about my church family? Do you know how much money that church spends at this radio station on promotions and recordings in my studio? Man, you better get it together. Or are we about to fight up in this mug? What you're smiling at now yells at the top of her lungs. This ain't no joke. Do you realize how reckless you are with that mouth of yours? Rev. Cheryl's voice boomed, her fiery temper on full display. You could almost feel the intensity of her anger, 
as she repeatedly pokes rock in his forehead with her index finger. At this point, the engineers are closing their laptops and rushing out of the studio as they are fully aware this had gone left. Rev Shrill still on 1000. Bra, I built this station from the ground up. And stupidity like that can cause us to catch a lawsuit, man. You better remember who runs this show. Who signs your checks? You, done got me twisted. Rock tries to apologize, but Rev Cheryl, placing her finger over his lips, interrupts him while reaching into her Louis Vuitton. She now raises a 9mm Beretta to his temple. Visibly trembling in fear, Rock listens as she delivers a stern warning. Listen carefully. If you ever pull a stunt like that again, you'll be immediately fired and fired upon. I have zero tolerance for this kind of nonsense in my station. You feel me with that, she turns on her heel, storming towards her office, gun swinging at her side, with a mix of grace and fury. Rock follows his attempts at an apology trailing off as the door to Rev. Cheryl's office slams shut, leaving him standing in the silent hallway, the gravity of the situation sinking in. The scene ends with the camera focused on the closed door, symbolizing the finality of Rev. Cheryl's words and her uncompromising stance. Though she is very respected in the community, Rock fully knows that she's no person to play with when it comes to the streets and messing up her money. This scene highlights a moment of unexpected anger from Rev Cheryl, showcasing her ruthlessness and authority as she reprimands Rock for his unprofessional behavior, emphasizing her powerful position in the radio station. Scene 3, Adjutancy Class. A connection beyond mentorship. It's 7 a.m., the scene unfolds to in a spacious classroom at Light of Grace Pentecostal Church, where students are gathered with a sense of eager anticipation. The room radiates a respectful and contemplative atmosphere, with everyone's attention directed towards the front. There, Bishop Martin Wilson stands, a figure of both dignity and spiritual depth. Flown in especially from Charlotte, North Carolina for this class, his presence adds a significant weight to the occasion. His civic attire, resembling that of a Catholic priest, along with the prominent pectoral cross hanging from a chain around his neck and the distinctive episcopal ring on his finger, mark him as a man of faith and authority. Bishop Wilson begins the session with a gentle yet commanding voice, writing a poignant quote on the board from Terry Nance's God's Armor Bearer. The heart of an armor bearer is the heart of a servant. This sets the tone for the lesson, emphasizing the gravity and honor of the adjutant's role. As the class progresses, students engage with thoughtful questions. Are we expected to just follow orders? One student inquires. Bishop Wilson, his cross subtly glinting under the classroom lights, explains the essence of servitude it's not blind obedience, but a dedication to the leader's vision and, ultimately, to God's purpose. Another student asked about the nature of their service. Does this mean we're just serving the pastors? Bishop Wilson's ring subtly catches the light as he gestures, emphasizing his response. You're serving God through them. It's about uplifting the divine mission they carry. In the center of the class sits Rachel, her focus unbroken. She takes meticulous notes, deeply invested in absorbing the wisdom being imparted. Towards the end of the session, outside the door, Bishop Wright and Overseer Sarah Wright are walking by head to their 9 a.m. service. They are engaged in a soft conversation about order of service for the three services they had scheduled for that day at their multi-site locations. As they approach, Overseer Sarah gently touches Bishop Wright's arm, signaling him to go ahead. She pauses at the doorway, her gaze drawn to the class inside. She stands there, silent observer, her eyes searching the room until they find Rachel. Rachel, deeply focused on her notes, suddenly looks up. 
Her eyes meet Overseer Sarah's, and the scene gently shifts into a vivid memory, taking her back to a bustling day in the church hall. It's the day Rachel signed up for the adjutancy class. The lobby is alive with chatter and movement. Rachel watches as people approach Overseer Sarah, their demeanor reflecting admiration and respect, almost as if she were a celebrity gracing the church with her presence. Then, in that crowd, Overseer Sarah's eyes find Rachel. She walks over, initiating a conversation with a warm smile. We look familiar, she says to Rachel, who's taken aback by the unexpected attention. Rachel tells her how long she has been at the church and about her interest in the adjutancy program. Overseer Sarah listens, then turns to speak to the adjutant in charge. With a few words, she ensures Rachel is assigned to her cabinet, recognizing the potential in her. As they conclude their talk, Overseer Sarah extends her arms for a hug. It's a simple gesture, warm and welcoming. Yet, as they embrace, the moment lingers, there's an unspoken understanding, a connection that transcends mentorship. Around them, the lobby buzzes on, but in their shared space, time seems to pause. It's a hug that lasts a little too long, speaking of a deeper secret bond of mutual recognition, and perhaps an unexpected attraction. Back in the present, Overseer Sarah steps back from the doorway, her gaze lingering on Rachel for a moment longer. Rachel sits there, a mix of emotions playing across her face as the memory fades and the classroom comes back into focus. The scene ends with Overseer Sarah walking away, a thoughtful expression etched on her face. And Rachel, now with a newfound understanding of the depth of their connection, returning her focus to the class. The scene now cuts to the sanctuary, where the service is about to begin. The band plays soulfully as the congregation engages in heartfelt worship. The atmosphere is charged with devotion, with the melody of worship music filling the air. As the praise team wraps up their powerful worship set, Overseer Sarah, with her graceful self, steps confidently to the podium. The congregation is captivated by her presence, eager to hear her words. With a smile on her face, she takes a moment to express her heartfelt gratitude. Before he has to leave, I want to take a moment to extend a warm thank you to the incredible Bishop Martin Wilson. He flew all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina to impart his wisdom and knowledge in our 6 a.m. adjutancy class. He has committed to come in for the next four Sundays before flying back for his own service at 12.30 p.m. Let's give him a thunderous round of applause. The sanctuary erupts with cheers and claps. As Bishop Wilson stands, his adjutants leading him to the back of the stage, where the church's limousine was prepared to take him to the airport. With the energy in the room buzzing, Overseer Sarah seizes the opportunity to share some exciting news. She mentions a few upcoming events that will surely leave a mark on the church calendar, including a community outreach program and a highly anticipated leadership conference. I encourage each and every one of you to get involved, make a difference, and be a source of inspiration in our community, she exclaims, her voice filled with passion and enthusiasm. But the time has come to shift the spotlight to Prophetess Vanessa, who will introduce the dynamic speaker for the day. Now, without further ado, let us give a warm round of applause to our own Prophetess Vanessa as she steps forward to introduce our esteemed speaker. Take it away, Prophetess, the congregation roars with excitement, eager to hear from the speaker and bask in the spiritual wisdom that awaits them. Prophetess Vanessa Johnson approaches the podium to introduce Bishop Wright. As she stands before the congregation, encouraging them to set an atmosphere for preaching, her words a call to action, with the worship music as her backdrop, she exhorts the members to deepen their worship, 
preparing their hearts to receive, her voice resonating with passion and conviction. The anointing on her life employs the Spirit of God, and His Spirit moves palpably through the building. In this moment of spiritual fervor, the camera pans to show the history of the church displayed in subtle visual cues around the sanctuary. Founded by Bishop McKenzie, a revered figure who parted ways with the United Holiness Church, Light of Grace stands as a testament to his faith and leadership. Bishop McKenzie, having served three terms as the presiding bishop, had faced controversy and criticism for remarrying after the death of his first wife, a decision frowned upon at the time. Yet, his unwavering faith and dedication to his congregation laid the foundation for the church's thriving community. As Prophetess Vanessa continues, from out of nowhere and without instructions, people begin to approach the altar, drawn into deeper worship. They are visibly moved some weeping, others lifting their hands in surrender. Bishop Wright, prepared to deliver his sermon, watches as the service takes a turn led by the Spirit. As Prophetess Vanessa witnessed the overwhelming response from the congregation, she felt a mix of awe and uncertainty. She hesitated for a moment, unsure if she should step forward and ask Bishop Wright if she could pray for the people at the altar. She knew that Bishop Wright was prepared to deliver his sermon, and she didn't want to disrupt the flow of the service. However, compelled by the Spirit and sensing the deep need for spiritual guidance and healing, Prophetess Vanessa mustered up the courage to turn to Bishop Wright. With a gentle and hesitant voice, she asked if she could pray for the people. In that moment, she felt vulnerable and afraid of his response. To her relief and surprise, Bishop Wright, seemingly recognizing the genuine spiritual atmosphere and the leading of the Holy Spirit, nodded in agreement. He concealed his anger, but deep inside, the bishop was seething with frustration and resentment. As Prophetess Vanessa began to pray, Overseer Wright Prophetess Edwards, along with 20 other elders joined her, sensing the divine movement and the opportunity to convey God's messages to the individuals in need. Together, they started to prophesy, speaking words of comfort, guidance, and healing to several individuals in the congregation. Bishop, consumed by his emotions, stood motionless on the stage. His internal turmoil was evident in his stillness, as he grappled with the weight of his feelings. The atmosphere in the service quickly transformed into a powerful outpouring of spiritual connection and restoration. The fear and uncertainty that Prophetess Vanessa initially felt were replaced by a deep sense of purpose and surrender to the divine flow. This unexpected turn of events highlighted the sensitivity and discernment of Prophetess Vanessa, as well as her willingness to step out in faith, even when faced with uncertainty. However, Bishop Wright, consumed by anger and a closed mindset, resisted and was unwilling to embrace the leading of the Holy Spirit. Disregarding the importance of responding to the immediate needs of the congregation, the service became a profound moment of spiritual guidance and healing, where the congregation experienced a tangible encounter with God's presence. It served as a reminder of the power of surrendering to the leading of the Spirit and the transformative impact it can have on individuals and the community as a whole. Throughout this divine movement, Prophetess Vanessa's phone vibrates continuously in her pocketbook, unnoticed. The calls come in one after another, relentlessly. As the service concludes, Prophetess Vanessa, still unaware of the calls, converses with Overseer Wright Prophetess Edwards and other church members as they exit the buildings entering the now empty parking lot. Their discussion is full of reflections on the powerful service they just experienced. The music shifts, transitioning from a soft and melodic tune to a somber and haunting melody. The music reflects the impending call that Prophetess Vanessa is about to receive. The haunting melody sets the stage for a deeper emotional connection for the difficult news that awaits. Finally, in her car, Vanessa checks her phone to see numerous missed calls. 
She answers as it rings again. Her expression shifts from serenity to shock as a police officer on the line informs her of her son has been in a critical accident and, as they are lifted to a nearby hospital the scene closes on Vanessa's face, a mix of maternal concern and distress, juxtaposing the spiritual high of the service with the personal crisis now unfolding in her life. This scene captures the profound spiritual impact of Prophetess Vanessa and the unexpected shift in the church service, contrasted with the unfolding personal crisis. Highlighting the duality of her life is a spiritual leader facing challenging family issues. Join us next week for another episode of The Pentecostals, where we delve deeper into the character of Rev Cheryl and the role she will play in the unfolding drama. Get ready for suspenseful moments as we explore the intriguing connection between Overseer Sarah and Rachel. I'm Apostle Martin Wilson, and you've been listening to The Pentecostals Podcast. You can follow The Pentecostals on Instagram, our Facebook group, and catch all our episodes each week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't subscribed on Apple Podcasts, go there now and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me again next week for another episode of Apostle Wilson's The Pentecostals. Thank you for listening.